Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. As I mentioned during the announcements, I just I have to say it again. It, it's so good to be back with all of you. Uh, after being away for two weeks and in both of those locations, the last two Sundays, I've been, I've been preaching and, and teaching to other people who are, who are not in this congregation. And I just have to say after that and, and coming home, it is, it is such validation about how humbled I am to be able to be your pastor and how blessed we are in this place uh, to be able to share in this ministry together. I, I'm absolutely humbled to be your pastor and I love being here and it's so good to be back with all of you. Uh, there's a lot of things that can happen in two weeks being away. You know, when you're kind of just in the doldrums of life, things just fly by. But having been gone two weeks and be, being back home, I, I look back on the last two weeks and uh, our family has learned a lot of things and done new things. Our, our oldest daughter, Hazel, who's six, she now knows how to jump off a diving board and swim underneath the water. That was a big step for her. Our youngest daughter, Phoebe, learned how to walk, finally, and so now we got that going on. And our middle son, Max, who is four, uh, over the course of the last two weeks, he's set his mind on the fact that he is going to be a Guinness Book World Record holder. And can you, he's got it very specific. Do you, I mean, you could take a guess of what he wants to hold the record, in, but you're going to get it wrong. Uh, he wants to have the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest toenails. So... <laughs> You know, we said, buddy, that's going to be a problem in the winter. And he said, grown-up boots are big enough. I'll be okay. I mean, so, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's good to be back home, though, you know, after, after being, being away. And so for the, 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 these next three weeks, which uh, is kind of scary to say, ends, ends our summer uh, kind of uh, life here at St. Peter and Paul. But over these next three weeks, we're going to focus on the life of David, as we know it from the Old Testament. And so what we will do is uh, we'll focus on these three themes, the, the, the progression of David's life. Today, focusing on uh, this progression from shepherd boy to soldier. Next week, from soldier to being a young king. And then finally, from being a young king to an old king. David is one of these characters in the Bible who has many, many pages and words committed in the scriptures to telling his life. And what we will find out, if you don't already know, is that God will make a promise to David that through his lineage will come a final king who will rule and reign over all things, and that king is, as we know, Jesus, right? Next week, if you want to read ahead, we're going to be focusing on the events that take place uh, from the time that he kills Goliath to the time he becomes a king. So if you want to read ahead, uh, I, I'd encourage you to look at these chapters. Uh, it, is, it is filled with all sorts of drama and action, but 1 Samuel chapters 18 through 30, which ends 1 uh, Samuel, that's that going to be our focus, uh, this, uh, this pursuit of Saul and, and David as, as Saul tries to even kill David. But we'll get to that next week. Today we're going to start um, at the beginning of David's life, at least as far as the scriptures tell the beginning of his life. Um, we just read in the Old Testament lesson the story of David and Goliath, right? Probably one of those most well-known or beloved uh, children's Sunday school stories. So you might know this story well, but uh, I want to show you a quick uh, one-minute video that kind of summarizes this all again. Take a look at this. One day, God told the prophet Samuel that it was time for a new king and sent him to the house of a man named Jesse. Jesse had seven sons and brought out each of them to meet Samuel. 
Samuel told Jesse that David, his youngest son, would be the future king of Israel. Shortly after this, an army of the Philistines, Israel's enemy, set up camp on a hill right across the valley from Israel's army. For 40 days in a row, a gigantic Philistine warrior named Goliath would walk down to the valley and mock the Israelites. The Israelites were terrified of Goliath and wouldn't fight him. But one day when David was visiting the army camp, he heard Goliath taunting the Israelites and asked why no one was willing to fight Goliath. After getting King Saul's permission, David went down into the valley and shouted to Goliath, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Goliath and David charged toward one another. As they ran, David pulled out a stone, put it in a sling, and flung it at the giant. The stone struck Goliath directly in the forehead, and then David killed him with Goliath's own sword. We'll pick up from there next week. Now, as we watch that, that piece of the story, uh, you may think that the most obvious part of the story where we really want to spend our time is, uh, is on this, you know, uh, David killing Goliath portion. Uh, you know, this is the portion where all the Sunday school's uh, stories uh, lie, right? The, the underdog wins. <laughs> Hopefully I can say that about my Minnesota Vikings uh, this, this year. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll go for a win. But uh, that's not where I'm going to start today. And that's not really actually where I want to focus. I want to start where that video started. Um, and if you, if you blinked, you may have actually missed it right at the very beginning. Uh, see, at the beginning, where, where David shows up at the beginning of the scriptures is in this place where, um, where God anoints David through his prophet Samuel to be the next king over Israel. And now that doesn't officially make him king when, when he is anointed, but what it does is it, is it puts this call and this claim upon David's life, and then God is at work in the progression of moving David along towards eventually becoming king. So at the very beginning here where, where Samuel anoints David to be king, God is calling him. God is calling him and he's claiming him. And when God calls somebody, like he did to David, when God calls somebody, he calls that person for a purpose. Do you know this truth? That when God calls you, he calls you for a purpose? When God called you to be his very own, however that, however that took place, when the Spirit of the living God came upon you and God called you to be his very own, God did not just make a generic statement upon you. God called you for a purpose. Just a few moments ago, Emerson was baptized, right? Emerson was baptized, and in that gift of baptism, as, the, as Jesus tells us, that is one of the clearest ways for us Christians that God makes a call and a claim upon us, right? And so in Emerson's life already, when God puts this call upon her, God already knows what he has in store for her, what her purpose is, large things and small things. God is preparing her for a life that is fully to be given to her as a gift from him that she can live as a child of God. Now, I want to go back a little bit further even in this life of David. We've got this story where David kills Goliath, and we'll get there in a minute. 
We've got this story where David is anointed to be the next king, but why did that have to happen? And it goes back to this guy named Saul. Now, Saul was the very first king of the Israelites, and this may sound cruel to our 21st century American ears, but Saul was commanded by God to go and completely annihilate this group of people who were enemies of the Israelites called the Amalekites. They were supposed to, God commanded them, he said, kill all of them, all their animals, all their people, everybody. But Saul didn't do it. And it's not because he was some sort of, you know, humanitarian who thought that God's idea was bad. No, Saul actually didn't do it because he was full of pride. You see, Saul, when he had that command to wipe them all out, actually only killed the lowliest people and the ugliest animals. And he actually even spared the king's life, Agag, as a type of, you know, show of of power and, and pride and mockery. So because of Saul's unfaithfulness, God is going to remove him from his throne, and God is already setting in motion who the next king will be. Well, after that whole event, this King Saul, he gets afflicted with a spirit um, that, that he believes is from God, and it, and it afflicts him and terrorizes him, especially at nighttime. And the only thing that can really calm Saul down is to have music played. Well, in these days, he didn't have the radio or a CD player or Spotify or whatever it is, and so he needs to have musicians brought into his chamber. And so he says to his servants, who plays the lyre? I want somebody who plays the lyre. And they said, hey, there's this young guy, a son of Jesse. He's a shepherd. His name's David. He's really, really good. You should bring him in. So David gets brought into the king's palace, and he is a musician for the king to calm him in his moments of affliction and distress. You can only imagine what young uh, David learns about the way that government operates, especially when he spends time trying to calm down an afflicted king, right? But it's after these events, it's still not yet that David is, is going to be king, but it becomes time for David to be used by God for God to demonstrate that his power is resting on his servant David, And so here's what happens. I I don't need to recount the entire story for you again. You just watched it. We just read for it. You read it. Some of you know it well, but, but here's the very basic Cliff Notes version of what happened with David and Goliath. God's people are called the Israelites. This enemy that they were going to be fighting is called the Philistines. There's a giant in the Philistines named Goliath, and for 40 days he goes out in the battlefield and mocks the Israelites and says, nobody will fight me. And it's true, nobody will fight him because they're all scared. David is sent to go and visit his brothers who are soldiers. And David says, why are none of you going to fight? Right? I'll go fight him. So he goes to King Saul and Saul says, you can't go. You're too small. And he says, I'll go. And Saul gives him permission. He walks down with nothing but a sling and a stone. He flings the rock, sinks into Goliath's forehead. He falls down, grabs Goliath's sword and chops off Goliath's head. Right? I think oftentimes they leave that little last part out of the children's Bibles. But hey, you know, that's, that's what he did. Right? So here's the, here's the deal. What I want you to hear today is that God was at work in David's life all along, not just for this moment to kill Goliath, 
but God placed a call and a claim upon him, and God had been working in him constantly for a lifetime of purpose. Now, the story is very clear about this, that David was to be the one who was to be selected as king. If you read this story, when God sent Samuel, that that prophet, to Jesse, who had the seven sons, Jesse and Samuel both thought it would be one of the older boys because they were bigger and stronger, more they looked like kings. And that's when God said to Samuel, I don't look on the outward appearance, I look to see what's within the heart, right? And so that's where David was chosen. God set in motion that David would be king, that David would kill Goliath, that through David and his lineage that the Savior would be born. God called David for a purpose, a lifetime of purpose. I mentioned that last week, last Sunday, I was at our camp, our district camp. It's called Camp Luther down in Three Lakes, Wisconsin, two hours straight south of here. And I preached on Sunday morning uh, at an outdoor chapel in the woods as the week of ministry began. And Camp Luther's theme for this summer is called for such a time as this. And, and their theme was very similar to what I'm, what I'm bringing you today, but their theme is based on the book of Esther, um, where I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but if you've never read Esther before, go home and read it. It's only 10 chapters. You could read it quick. It's very, very dramatic. It's a great story. Uh, but, but essentially, you know, Esther has this moment where she needs to make a tough decision, and her adopted father says to her, Esther, perhaps this is the time. Perhaps you have been called for such a time as this, right? So in that, in that story of Esther, in this story of David, over and over again in the scriptures, we see it clearly that God selects people, he calls them, and he works in their lives with his supreme authority to work purpose and meaning and value through their lives. Now, as 21st century Americans, we look at these kinds of stories in the scriptures and we say, yes, of course, it's very easy to see that God called that person and that he put events in their life to have them do things. But what about you? What's your purpose? What's your purpose in this life? Perhaps you've had these kinds of thoughts before where you've thought to myself, you know, I've got this job that I do, I go to work, but is this what I'm supposed to do? Uh, I see that we have some college students that are, that are back today, returning students, and next week and the week after we'll have even more new students, and some of you are high school students from here that are preparing to go to college. You might be thinking to yourself, did I make the right decision? Some of you are going through major life transitions, difficult times in life, and you're thinking, are we doing the, the right thing? Is this what we're supposed to do? Have you ever asked yourself those kinds of questions? And, and how will you ever know? <laughs> how will you ever know if that's your purpose, the thing God has supposedly ordained for you? How will you know? The world will tell you to seek validation from your results. It will say, well, try some things and watch and see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, then it must not have been meant to be, right? That's what the world says, as if, you know, David should evaluate his whole call based on whether or not he could have killed Goliath or not. 
So what if, what if he didn't kill Goliath? What if he never went to the battlefield that day? Could he have still become king, right? How do we evaluate these things? What, what do we decide is ultimately the decision maker for our purpose? In this world in which we live today, one that's connected and has social media, people are living for the likes and for the loves and for the shares and for the evaluation and the validation that what you're putting out there has purpose and meaning for other people, right? So we're always looking to external things in order to validate our own purpose. Is that, is that the way that it works? I want to tell you something different today, and this is the story of where purpose comes from in the scriptures, and I will tell you just plain and simple that your purpose in this life is to live as a child of God. Maybe that sounds too simple. Your purpose in this life is to live as a child of God. Your purpose in this life is to live in such a way that you are wholly and fully dependent upon your Creator for all of life's blessings, that you are wholly and fully dependent upon your Savior for forgiveness and eternal life. You, your purpose, Christian people, is to live in such a way that you know who you are and you know whose you are. And from that reality, everything that you touch and everything that you do is filled with purpose and value and meaning. Now, as you live your life trying to do that, trying to live as a child of God in faithfulness to Him, it may seem like the giants get in the way of you accomplishing your God-given purpose. It may seem to you that there are giants in this life that pop up and rear their ugly head and they seem just like big roadblocks that are in your way. But what if fighting the giants is part of your purpose? What if that is what God has in store for you in this season of your life? What if you saw your battle against cancer not as a giant that is in the way, but the actual purpose for which you have to live in this moment? What if you saw the strained relationship that you have right now not as a giant problem, but as an opportunity to demonstrate the forgiveness that comes through the cross of Jesus? Fighting Goliath was not an obstacle for David, but it was an opportunity for him to live as a child of God and to proclaim the almighty power of this God. David really didn't do anything spectacular. He had no profound weapons. He simply showed up and he allowed God to be God. And he called upon that name of the Almighty God in a time of great need, and God showed up. I tell you today, you are a child of God. You have been called and claimed to be his very own. He has purchased and won you on the cross of Jesus Christ. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, you have new life this day. You are forgiven and you are set free and you have incredible value and incredible purpose. You have a life of purpose in front of you, not because you are creating that purpose for yourself, 
but because you have been created to live in the purpose that God has already created for you. So I pray that you go with great value, with great hope, that you know that God is with you, that he's called you, he's claimed you, and he has many things in store for you. You are a child of God, valued and purposeful. Go in his name with his peace and with his joy. Amen. Amen.